Okay, good morning. The, sta the standard welcome there. I love it. That happens every Sunday. Okay, good morning. Welcome. It's so nice to see everybody here. Um, if you've got your Bibles, do please open them to John uh, chapter 7. We're going to be continuing our, um, yeah, our journey through John uh, in the series that we have called Real Jesus. Not yet. I need to get this mint out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. Put a mint in my mouth just before I started to talk, which probably wasn't the best idea. Okay, so we're going to be looking at John chapter 7 today. Um, and how we're going to do it is we're going to take quite a big chunk of scripture today. Um, but we're also going to come back and look at a much more specific piece of scripture um, in a few weeks. So as Nina said, Roger Pups is going to be coming and speaking from Isaiah. So he's going to be going through the Old Testament um, over the next couple of weeks. It's absolutely brilliant. It will be all about Jesus. So, different book, same message. Um, do think about it. Is there anyone that you can think about inviting? It's going to be, I th it'll be a two-week sort of like one, two-part special thing. Um, so do think about inviting people to that. Um, but then after that, we're going to continue in John chapter 7 as well. But today we're going to do a bit more of an overview. And I, if we can, can you click on to the next slide? I've titled today's Preach Many Opinions, One Response. I want to look at really two things that happen surrounding Jesus and then how we get to respond as well, how it affects us. So first of all, I want to look at the Jesus creates opinions. This is a chapter full of opinions. And after that, I'm going to look at how does Jesus respond to those opinions and then finally, how, what can we learn from this? What can we do about it? Uh, and as I said, there is loads of opinions in this chapter, chapter 7. And I thought it would be helpful to sort of get us in the mood uh, and to understand. You know, there, there's these absolutely brilliant, if you're um, from the UK or perhaps if you're not from the UK, you might have heard of a company called BBC uh, they massive like TV series. They do all sorts of recordings. It's, it was that a stupid thing? Has everyone heard of BBC? Yeah, most most people have. Okay, so it's not just from the UK. But they do these brilliant historical documentaries and things like that. And I thought, what better way to get us into the scene than look at a historical documentary about John Seven? So they've done one about. It, it, they've obviously like you know they've looked at all the historical things around the time they've opened up the bible and said okay this is what was happening in john 7 and so it gives us a really good picture of the scene of all these different opinions and there's this question who's this guy who's that guy some people are saying is this some people are saying is that and this video this short clip just sets the scene on who's that guy and so if we can flip over to bbc broadcasting uh center and look at the clip, at the clip, we'll get a bit of a picture of who that guy. Wow. That's John. Press play, please, Emma. So this is from John Seven. This is very historical, very accurate. It's the Jews. Yeah. You got the Jews. <laughs> 
Okay, it continues. So there we go. That's what happened in John 7. I hope you have got the scene. You've got Jesus there on the motorbike. <laughs> hey, Alicia. Uh, you got... Yeah, obviously not actually what happened. Uh, but we got um, a similar scene here in John 7 where there's a whole bunch of different people asking the question, who's that guy? Where does he come from? Who's that guy? Um, so, it's the same question on people's lips. And so what I want to do is read uh, a, a chunk of the scripture and then we're going we're gonna to dig in and look at it. So, chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it. That its works are evils. You go up to the feast... I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, and they were saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. Some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus was, went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath... A man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me because on the Sabbath 
I made a man's whole body well. Okay, so he's talking about the time when he heals the cripple on the Sabbath. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is this not the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from? But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than the man has done? And then just jumping down to verse 40 when they heard these words some of the people said this really is the prophet others said this is the christ but some said is this the christ to come from galilee has not the scripture said that christ comes from the offspring of david and comes from bethlehem the village where david was so there was a division among the people i will stop there In that bit of reading of chapter 7, you get this picture and it's quite messy. Loads of people with loads of opinions. Who's that guy? Where does he come from? Good voice. I'm I'm secretly auditioning for the worship band as we speak. Um, it's it's a messy it's a messy chapter. When you read it, it's like okay, this person thinks that, this person thinks that, this person thinks that. At fr- on um, Friday and Thursday, there's a bit of an incident in my like. I work as someone who works with children and behaviour, and there was an incident on Thursday morning. And both Thursday and Friday, I had to speak to probably about thirty kids, and everyone had a different opinion of what happened how it started, how it finished, like the backstory. And I left Friday after work being like, I need a beer. This has been a really bad couple of days. I'm like, I have no idea anything. And now I need to make a whole bunch of parent phone calls trying to explain what happened. I have no idea. There was far too many opinions. And you sort of get that a little bit in this chapter. Everyone has a different opinion about who Jesus was. Another thing that we see in this chapter is the amount of different people that John introduced. Right at the beginning, we see there's this group of people called the Jews. A few verses later, we see that Jesus' brothers were speaking to him. Jesus had brothers. It's pretty cool. He actually had brothers. Uh, And then as it goes on, who else do we see? We see chief priests. Uh, We see Pharisees, we see the people of Jerusalem, so a a crowd in Jerusalem, probably a mixture of all sorts of people. Uh, We see towards the end, we see officers. So there's a whole bunch of different people in this chapter. And what do they say? A whole bunch of different things. They all have opinions, all of them. This is the Christ. Wow, this is the one that was promised. Some people are starting to tentatively believe Jesus may be who he says he is. Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. This is the brothers. 
And actually their opinion, they're, they're not, they don't really believe Jesus is exactly who the, he says he is. They maybe believe, yeah, okay, he's a miracle worker, but really who you say you are? So there's a lack of belief in their opinion. Someone else says, he is a good man. When Jesus stands up at the temple and does a teaching, someone shouts out, you have a demon. That's why you think people are coming to kill you. You're going crazy. You've gone crazy. And so there's all these different opinions coming from all these different people. Brothers, Jews, officers, the people of Jerusalem. And right at the beginning, one of the opinions of the Jews is we need this man dead. That's an opinion. Whoever this man is, we need him dead. Why? Well, it goes back to what Alid spoke about last week. The I am, the great I am statements. Seven of them in John. What, what would the Jews have heard when he said, I am the bread of life? They would have heard the bread of life, but they would have really heard the I am. This is a guy who's claiming to be God. It goes back to the Old Testament, goes back to Exodus, when God... The Father said, I am. And now Jesus, this guy who's with us, he's now saying, I am. We've got to finish him. We've got to get an end to him. So there's all these different opinions about who he is. Verse 12, what does it say? It says this. There was much muttering about him among the people. Some said, he is a good man. Others said, he is leading the people astray. And in fact, some translations and some Jewish writings would say he is deceiving the people. He is, he is taking people away from God. This man, Jesus, who claims to be God, is actually doing quite the opposite. Again, if you look in Deuteronomy, there's warnings of false prophets coming and leading people away from God. And what they're saying is, this is one of them. Jesus is a false prophet. And you know how we can prove it? Well, on the Sabbath, the holy day, he healed someone. That's the day of the Lord. But he's taking people away from God. He's a deceiver. He's leading people astray. I hope you get the picture. There's all sorts of different views. All sorts of different opinions on who Jesus is. Some are starting to believe he's the Christ. He's a good man. And then on the other side, this guy needs to be killed. He's demon possessed. It's like quite a, quite a big spectrum. And it's confusing, a little bit like my day or a couple of days at work on Thursday and Friday. In fact, verse 43 sums it up really well as well. There was a division among the people over him. No one was quite sure who he was. Who's that guy? Nobody knows. Okay, everyone had a different opinion. So how does Jesus respond to these different opinions? Let's zoom in. There you go, that's that verse. I just want to zoom in quickly on verse 28 and verse 29. It says this, I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So how does Jesus respond to all these different opinions about who he is some say it's good some say it's bad how does jesus respond he responds like this i have been sent from the father by the father i have been sent if he uses the word sent five times in this short piece 
of Scripture. If we go back to John 3.16, we know the really, really famous words, for God so loved the world that he sent, gave, kind of. <laughs> sent his only son. Depends on what translation you look at, maybe. But he sent his only son. He gave his only son. He sent him into the world. When all the people around him have different opinions on who he is, some good, some bad, Jesus is secure in his purpose. I have been sent. He knows where he's come from. He's come from the Father. And he knows where he's going. He's been sent. He's on a mission. He's doing. It doesn't matter what other people say. Even, I think, it must It must. I'm sure that Jesus must have been hurt because even his own brothers said, we don't really believe you're who you say you are. I mean, that's tough when family say, we don't really believe you. In fact, in Mark 3.21, it's a parallel or like explains it a little bit more, what the brothers thought of him. And they, it says that they thought he was, I quote, out of his mind. That's what the brothers thought about Jesus. These are the opinions that were coming to Jesus. I mean, that's got to hurt. Yet Jesus knew he was sent. There's going to be people who like him. There's going to be people who don't like him. There's going to be people who don't believe in him, including his own brothers. Yet he was sent. I, uh, as you know, grew up in England. And in my primary school, which I think is probably quite common around the world, I guess, maybe. Who knows? We're going to find out. Uh, we did something called show and tell. And what you would do is you would, oh, if you've been away for a weekend or on holiday or you had a birthday, you'd have an opportunity to sort of go up to, you know, you'd walk up to the front of your class and you would show and tell. So you might show something, oh, this is what I got for my birthday. Or you might tell a little story. Well, I had the opportunity to do that because my dad told me, a pretty amazing story and so I thought when the teacher said hey does anyone have anything to show and tell I thought I do <laughs> um, and so I put my hand up and I said hey can I share something uh, in a much more high-pitched voice I didn't have this voice when I was seven uh, <laughs> or maybe I did teacher can I share something um, I said hey can I share something and yeah, absolutely. And she, I can still remember this. I think it was that grade two. I was really about seven or eight, but I can still remember it. And I went up to the front and I spoke about my dad in front of all my classmates, in front of my teachers. And I said this. When my dad was at the airport the other day, going on a trip to Mexico, he had some friends with him. And then in the um, distance, he saw quite a commotion. I probably didn't use commotion. <laughs> I was rather educated as a child. <laughs> Um, you know, he saw this big scene and, uh, and I said, and so daddy went over to him and sure enough, there was a guy who had just died, just dropped dead in the airport, a massive heart attack. And so this is exactly pretty much what I'm saying. And then I said, but what daddy did, he's Christian and he believes in God. And so he prayed for him and the guy stood up and he was fine. And I was like, the end. <laughs> and... Like if I was like on the, here, my teacher, I can still remember it, she came up to me and she said to me, oh, little Joshy Joshy, little cutie Joshy, <laughs> those stories aren't really true. 
And that was in front of all my classmates. And I still remember, they all laughed at me. And so I shared about my daddy and about his God and about this amazing miracle, which, like, you can speak to him about it next week if you want. This, this happened. It was amazing. And everyone laughed. The teacher said, <laughs> mocked me a little bit. That's not, that's not really true, is it? So people had different opinions about me. And how did I let that affect me? Well, if you'd have asked me again later on, a year, two years later, what does your daddy do? I would say, I quote, he is a librarian. That's what I said he'd do. I wasn't very imaginative. I didn't go for doctor or pilot or like professional footballer. I went for librarian. I could have gone for anything. <laughs> but I was embarrassed. I didn't, want, I, I, I didn't want people to laugh at me again. And then it, for, fast forward a few more years, when I'd invite friends around to my house, before they would come, this is not a word of a lie, I would scour the house and sort of like pull down any picture frames that have like Bible verses on. And if there's any Bibles, quickly stash them under the bed. There'd be absolutely no evidence. So I'd try my best to make sure that people did not know that I was part of a Christian strange family. Because I had had opinions. People have different opinions about what I was saying. And they laughed at me. And they mocked me. And I was embarrassed. So instead of staying on course, I decided I won't tell people. I'll run away from who I am. Jesus, in the midst of people laughing at him, in the midst of people mocking him, in the midst of people saying, you're possessed by a demon, in the midst of brothers not really believing him, others calling for his head, in the midst of that, he says, I'm not changing my story. I've been sent and I'm going. It's incredible. And folks, he did that for us. He was sent for God so loved the world that he sent, gave his only son, whatever. He did that for us. In the midst of all these different people having all these different crazy opinions, he stands firm. No. Nope. I know the Father, and the Father has sent me, so I'm going. So, what about us? Well, I'd like to... I'd like us to see that like Jesus, we also have been sent. Jesus was sent by the Father. But then in Matthew 28, the Great Commissioning we see that Jesus comes to his close group of friends, his close followers, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go. It's ascending and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his followers, his closest followers, Go, I am sending you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Go. The interesting thing is the verse before and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven is given to me. The verse before that says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? They've seen this guy live an incredible last few years of his life. All sorts of opinions and miracles. They've seen him go to the cross. They've seen him taken down, 
put in a tomb. They've seen this tomb empty. And then Jesus back, and there's still people who doubt. I'm like, really? Folks, there will be people that doubt. I'm, I'm convinced that people can see miracles and still doubt. That was lucky. What? <laughs> you prayed and they got, I mean, that was so coincidental. People will doubt. People here doubted, even though they'd seen all those things about Jesus. His death, his resurrection. Hmm, not sure. But that's not the point. The point is this, that he sent out his disciples. Go. And that's why we're here. I think you can get very deep about thinking about your future. Where does God want me to be? What does God want me to do? How many times do I need to pray about it? How many people do I need to talk about? And to talk with. And to an extent, it's good and helpful to do that and important to do that. Where should I be? Is God sending me off? Is he st- am I staying? What am I doing? What job should I get? There is also a, a very, very simple way to think about your future. Go. Sent. Make disciples. This is the calling that we are all living with. As Jesus had a calling, we have a calling. Go. Make disciples. Love God. Love Gothenburg. Although he didn't say Gothenburg, did he? Yeah, he did. I think he did. Yeah, I think it was exactly yeah, yeah, great, good. It was good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it is important to like sort of wrestle, okay, what God have you got for me? But also at the same point, it's also important to keep it simple. Go. You're sent. Jesus was sent. So no matter anything he got in his way, like anything coming at him, whatever, he was sent. What about us? We are sent. Do you know Jesus' mission was to go and save the world? Our mission? Go save the world. It's amazing. It's like, it's a, it's a battle cry. Like church should not be boring. Christianity, being a Christian, should not be boring. It's like a battle. It's like, go and save the world. Talking about like superhero, like Avengers. I, I don't really watch those films. The Marv, oh, I'm sorry. I've, got, I've just lost everyone, haven't I? Emma's out. She's leaving. Shake your head and leave. But actually, you know, these hero movies, they're, they're massive, aren't they? Actually, we've been called. Like our calling is to go and make disciples, saving people from eternity away from God. And I think just as we are living with a similar call to Jesus, so we also have been sent, I think we need to expect a similar response from those around us. This is Lacoste. Whoa. Whoa. Too much? Whoa. That's oh, going to be a bit extreme for you. Yeah, a bit. Like the front. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I just thought I'd just get a bit of spray on me. (laughs) In 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul says this. I think I have this one on, actually. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma.
armour of Christ. To God, among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. I didn't just spray that Lacoste just because I thought I was a bit smelly. We are the aroma of Christ. Some people probably like, like the smell. Some people think, Lacoste, oof, this is a horrible smell. As we walk into a room, people will they'll smell Christ. This is what Paul's saying. We are the aroma of Christ. As we are in Slotskogen next Tuesday, 29th of May, my birthday. <laughs> just drop that right now. Let's just reflect. <laughs> As we go to Slotskogen and we bring friends with us, they will smell the aroma of Christ. As people are around us, as we go to a football match, as we go to work, as we you know, go to pick up the kids from Dargis, people will smell the aroma of Christ. This is what Paul says. This is who we are. And to some, ah, that's good. That is a good smell. And their opinion of us will be, that's really nice. What a lovely smell. What a lovely group of people you are. Can I spend some more time with you? Are you, what, are you meeting at Slot School again next Tuesday? No, we're not. Josh and Nina's. Or Emil. There, there are more small groups available. <laughs> I don't want to get done for advertising rights. And they'll be like, yeah, no, I want to spend some more time with you guys. And we have stories of that. But then there will also be people who smell us. And do you know what? You smell actually pretty bad. Because we're the smell of death to some people. And so we'll have some opinions. Ah, don't really want to spend time with you guys. Don't really like what you, you agree. I don't agree with what you believe in. You know, in, in a country like Sweden, it's, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinions as long as you don't share, as long as you don't make me believe. And, and so it's probably not going to be super aggressive. Everyone's sort of like really saying, hey, you're demon possessed. We're going to kill you. But perhaps loss of contact is a more likely thing that will happen. To some, you smell good, I want to spend more time with you. There's, there's an aroma about you, there's something about you, there's something about your group of friends. To others, there's an aroma about you. I, I, sorry, I don't want to spend time with you. I, I have, um, I'm convinced that there's, there's someone that I'm working with at the moment who really, really dislikes me. And I feel that I've not done anything wrong at all. Perhaps it's the aroma of Christ. Perhaps there's something in that. We're going to divide. Some people, yeah, can I come and spend some time with you? Other people, so what's our response to be when we divide, when we create opinion? What did Jesus do? Because to, to some, we all smell great. To others, we're going to smell horrific. But the big question is this. How will we respond? It's massive. It's a massive question and so important that we think about it. Because we've seen how Jesus responds. You're a good man. You're the Messiah. You're demon possessed. Vroom. He's sent. I'm sent. From the Father, I'm sent and I'm going. 
no matter what you say, I'm going. Boom. I have a mission. God so loved the world that he gave me. Set me. What about us? How will we respond? Because, and I, I, most people are nodding their heads, because we all have stories in our heads of people who love the aroma and people who hate the aroma. And that's the reality. We will, people will have opinions about us. So how do we respond? Alid, last week, spoke just very quickly, just touched on, I don't think this was his main point, uh, but he touched on eternity. Am I right? right. Just going to have to bring some corrections. No, I'm not. Okay, too far. Okay. Uh, he spoke on eternity. And I believe the, 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 the secret to how we will respond when we get different opinions is understanding our eternal perspective, our eternal destiny. The the understanding of our eternal destiny helps us stand firm and understand that we are sent today. I'm convinced of it. Because we are here a blink of an eye compared to eternity. Eternity is like infinity, forever, goes on. It's, impo- like, it's one of those like, space blows my, blows my mind, eternity blows my mind. It, just, it doesn't stop. There's, time is not there. There's no clocks. This is like a blink in the eye. And I believe having the right eternal perspective and understanding that one day, that we're aliens, that we're only here for a short amount of time, we have been sent. I think understanding that will mean that when we have these opinions about us, we will be able, it might be hard sometimes. I think Jesus probably was upset by his brother's lack of belief, I guess. It will be hard sometimes. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But then we can still remember, no, we've been sent. And we have this incredible future. Hebrews 12 says this. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I've lost my chicken drumstick. There it is behind the Bible. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him eternal perspective joy set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God Jesus was sent he had a mission and nothing and I mean nothing, not people shouting at your demon possessed, not brothers like being a bit sarcastic and not really believing, oh, go and show yourself then. Not even the cross was going to put him off. I've come from the Father and I've been sent. Not even the cross was going to put him off. Why? For the joy set before him. Nothing was going to put him off. He knew his eternal destiny at the right hand of the father and so he was able to lay aside everything else and he just went (coughs) for the cross we have been sent we have a mission just to finish i 
we were at the Nina and I were at the Christ Central Leaders Weekend away uh, a couple of months ago now, approximately. And there's a guy called Jared Cooper who did a lot of the uh, speaking. Didn't do so. It's a bit of a funny one. He didn't do so so much teaching from the Bible. He more just like did a little bit, but told some stories. Some were great. Some were perhaps a bit more controversial. But one thing I really liked that he said was something along the lines of this. When I get to heaven, I don't want to be walking through the pearly gates. That's probably the bit more controversial bit. Are there pearly gates? Um, in shiny armor that looks like it has only been used a couple of times or not at all. I want to crawl in through those gates with my shield smashed up, half a sword, half a leg missing, helmet on wonky, blood all over my armor. While I am on earth, I want to fight for all I can. And I thought that was a great, helpful way to think about what we have been called to do here. Because we have a choice. People will have different opinions on us, that's guaranteed. It says it in the Bible, and we all know it through experience. With the aroma, some will like us, some will not. We'll have opinions, people will have opinions. And so we have a choice. How do we respond? Do we want to keep our, our armour all nice and shiny and sort of just like avoid any sort of questions about Christianity? Avoid saying, hey, this is where we're going. We're off to church now or, or we're going to small group or hey, can I pray for you? You look like you need prayer or, or whatever. And have a nice shiny armour so we don't offend anyone. Or do we want to take every opportunity to share the gospel? every opportunity to say hey can I pray for you every opportunity when you know oh what did you do on the weekend hey first thing to say I went to church and it was great it was dodgy preach but other than that it's great because <laughs> we will get bloody our, like you know our shield will get smashed up we'll probably lose a leg or two legs but I want to crawl through the pearly gates for the joy set before us we have an eternal future with God with Jesus one day there will be no more tears there will be no more suffering we will see him face to face that is amazing and I want to drag as many many people with me as possible we've been sent so we have a choice how do we respond I just love us to finish by praying.